Hello and welcome to episode nine of this AFL Life. I'm Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined by Julia Kiera. How are you going? Oh, am I allowed to talk? Yes, yes, you are allowed to talk. Oh, because I thought that um, since everything we said turned out to be some kind of hex <laughs> on various players that we like, that this episode was just going to be silent. It's just going to be hiss. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know, was a great round of footy, but there's something wrong with us, Al, because whenever we highlight anyone we like, things... Bad, bad things happen, so yeah. I need to think of players I don't like and talk about them. No, I love everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, look, exciting times, but we'll get to perhaps some of the things that we pointed out that then came to pass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's go back to last Friday. Fremantle took on the Blues over in Perth at the main stadium. Frio got their first win of the season. Yep. Got home by 16 points. And it was the Freer we kind of had been expecting to see all year. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I th- believe it was it um, Dad and Mog last week po- posed the question about the um, 3.30 p.m. stadium yeah. on Friday. And yeah. that was such a blooming shame. Like it was the the kind of best game Freo had played and you looked in the stadium, it was empty. Yeah. As well, it would be in the middle of a business hours on a Friday. On a Friday. Yeah, exactly. Um, but by the by, Cara Donnellan... She was outstanding. Yeah. And I think it had something like 351... Fantasy points. Yeah, fantasy supercoach bloody blahs. Yeah, fan- I should say fantasy footy points. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dungeons and Dragons points. Um, yeah, she got 24 disposals, eight tackles, my favourite stat, two goals, and was just, you know, living up to her nickname, Juddy. Yeah, she was, yeah, she... The other Juddy had, had done similar things on that ground. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but she was, she was, in, yeah, she was sensational. Yeah, she was sensational, and and Freo just kind of looked together from the from the get go. I think it was Bar kind of took a, a mark pretty early on in the game, and then wheeled around and yep. kicked the goal from thirty or forty out in an angle, and you were just like, oh, here they are, they've yeah. arrived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and all day they just put so much pressure on um, Carlton. They were first to the ball all day, and. Carlton were kind of, kind of hanging on, but couldn't really ever. I felt never really looked like they were going to overcome what Freo were doing. Um, Darcy gave it her best shot to yeah. uh, kind of claw the scores back, but um, I think in a way they're they're almost limping to the line a little bit. The Blues they're they're, they're a bit battered and bruised, and they've effectively lost their whole back line now. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've Got a lot of injuries and unfortunately someone that I highlighted that I was really enjoying watching, um, Danielle Hardiman, seems to have perhaps done something not great to her ankle. So she's out, which is terrible. And just look, apart from that though, you know, you don't really want to make excuses because you do, you know, you play the game with what you've got. And, and Carlton's list is quite deep. Um, but a- as we saw from, was it Jordan, Jordan, Ivy? Who, yep. like, first kick, first goal? Mm. You know, if that's one of your top-up players, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but just looking at across the stats, like, Freo were just dominant across everything. They they had 30 more kicks. They had 30 more um, tackles. 37 to 74 tackles. You know, they were just putting so much more pressure on Carlton. Um, and Carlton's highest disposal getter was Davey with 14 and, and 
and Tilly Lucas Rob were 11, and they were the only two that got over 10 disposals. So they just weren't getting enough of the ball, and, and Freya were first at it. They, weren't, they were depriving them of it. So the next game was Saturday morning up in Brisbane, Western Bulldogs. Yeah, the second of the weirdly timed matches. Yes. Well, and the game that booked Brisbane there spot in the grand final well yeah so they held on to win by seven points it was um interesting game but when you look at the score line brisbane 211 to bulldogs 2-4 yeah look at but that 211 like it's it's kind of shocking that they've won with that to yeah be honest. We, i think i think 211 might be a, a score the bulldogs uh, the bulldogs had earlier in the year when they lost yeah it was it was a funny old game to be honest. It was, wasn't it? You know, Taylor Harris was just, unfortunately, just giving away freeze from just <laughs> looking at the ball. Um, Sabrina Frederick Torb, you know, had a corky last week and seemed to get another corky, mm. but she was still kind of doing her thing. Yeah. Just every time she got up from the contest, she'd hobble <laughs> around as yeah. the camera lingered on her. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, apart from that, uh, you know, she still um, played her role. But it, w- it was it was messy. Yeah. It was pretty messy. But with kind of every game this year, Brisbane have just like done what they've had to do to win. They've never, on perhaps against GWS, but they've never really just like really dominated from start to finish and you've you've been absolutely certain that they were going to win. They just know how to clinch the game. Yeah. That's what they did. It's almost like they, yeah, they do, they grind teams down and and they, they often have an even spread of ball winners. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, whereas you flip it and the Bulldogs, you know, Emma Carty gets 30, mm. she had it on a string, but then there seems to be a gap between the next few people on the list. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there were. I was going to say, Emma Carty, so she got 30 disposals, 22 were handballs. Yeah, that's... I've never seen such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not since Greg Williams. No. <laughs> wow, look, let's just, actually, let's pause and let's just have an episode about Diesel. <laughs> no kidding. And then um, Ali Blackburn was next with, with 17. Jamie Lambert kicked two goals. I think they were perhaps both from freeze, but they were, they were from freeze where she was just either first at the ball or putting on forward line pressure and, you yep. know, got rewarded. And that's what you want kind of midfielders slash small forwards to do. Mm. Um, and she converted them. I think someone I maybe haven't mentioned all year, but who I feel like has had a great year is Lauren Spark. Yeah, she was fantastic. She's and a few, you know, I've watched a lot of Bulldogs games live and, um, you know, uh, in the flesh. (laughs) 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 And she's just, yeah, she's does has had a great season. I think Um, she's been away the last two years. I think playing in the the English um, league, but before that was at Melbourne Uni. And it's great to see her back playing footy in Australia. And she's. She's doing a great job. One thing I wanted to kind of talk about was the Bulldogs ruck, I'm going to call it experiment. Because mm. at the beginning of the year, I remember getting the record and, and you look at um, the 27 faces in the Bulldogs list and four girls say that they're rucks yeah. underneath them. And compared to, say, other teams where there might be one, two at a pinch. Mm. So Astro Connor, um, well, yeah, unfortunately not playing. Ernst... Clarkson and Spark. Mm. Now, considering that, I just don't think it's... You'd think that they would therefore be dominating the hitouts or dominating the midfield, but it just hasn't come yeah. out that way. I think also in Tassie, Elise Gamble has played a lot in the ruck too. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so they're a tall side, but mm. 
I don't know. I just yeah, I don't know. Uh, when you when you compare it to say other teams where there's just really one main ruck and it seems like all the structures get built around what that ruck's going to do and the style of that ruck and they might get relieved occasionally. Mm. Um but yeah, but it's but it's not set up in that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's worked. I know that kind of w- you know, there'll be lots of um, pouring over things with the Bulldogs at the end of the season about why, you know, they haven't been more successful. But I wonder whether that's a part of it, is mm. not kind of having your designated ruck who rucks in a particular way and therefore we're going to set up around that and, and go from there. Having said that, at the beginning of the year, when I did look at all the names of the rucks, I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. They're going to be really tall and really <laughs> versatile and this, that and the other. <laughs> and now it's like, no, nah, you just want, you know. Yeah. You yeah. Metcalf just doing the same thing every time, every time, <laughs> and then no, people know, everyone around who knows what's going to happen. Do. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting though, I mean, because Spark has played pretty much the whole season down back. Yeah. Um, so they haven't and, – and they – same with Asta, they used her around the ground a fair bit. Clarkson has played mainly as a forward, so yeah, it's it's really just Ernst that they've they've used predominantly just as a ruck. But but I've seen them all all in the ruck through. The and then Meg mm. McDonald, number one fan, takes the ruck forward, forward line, line when ruck, she's yeah. in there. So mm. yeah, look, it's I don't know, it's an interesting one. Mm. I wonder if they'll do the same thing next yeah. year. What are you what are you thinking of you know rucks across the board? I mean, it's like you've got. Emma King at Collingwood, she just dominates mm. every week. You just mentioned Metcalf. Um, Frio have just brought in Alicia Jance. Yeah, who had a great game. Who had a fantastic game. She's actually two weeks in a row. She's had a, mm. like a real impact in the in the ruck for them. And then obviously, you know, Lauren Pierce at Melbourne. McKinnon. And then, you know, Brisbane have quite an undersized ruck. Mm. And she's been, you know, holding her own as well. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Brisbane's kind of a strange example that seems to be working quite effectively and that they put they often put um sabrina frederick Traub in to take the center bounces but it's shani webb who takes the ruck contests around the ground and she's only i'm looking i'm looking now she's 172 centimeters yeah. but for whatever reason they're making that work and and it's obviously set in a particular way that they know around the ground she's going to take them so yeah look it's Another way that AFLW is just kind of rewriting the rules, yeah, um, and and they're succeeding clearly. Mm. They haven't got to six and zero because they can't win the ball. Yeah, exactly. Well, Asta, if you're listening, uh, we are very much looking forward to dissecting the ruck AFLW ruck battles with <laughs> you when you come back yeah. on the show. So the one thing that kind of, I guess, I was left feeling at the end of that game mm. was. You know, it's great that Brisbane are through to the final, but they're beatable. Yeah. Just no one has done it has yet. Has done it yet. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, they just kind of, get, they get over the line every time, but they don't, you know, smack anyone out of the park. So that means that, you know, whatever grand final we get is, is going to be a big contest, we hope. We hope, yeah. Well, they have, um, they have booked themselves a home grand final, yes. which is quite an achievement. Now... Could someone send Alison a check so she can go to Brisbane? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Next game was the Adelaide-Melbourne game up in Darwin. Melbourne hung on to win by two points, still giving themselves a chance to play off in the grand final. Mm. But, uh, gee, it was a pretty good game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very entertaining. It looked like a... Dinker. Oh, <laughs> looked awful. It did, but um, 
it was look I'm wondering if they you know charge for that game because there seemed to be a gun show happening <laughs> <laughs> you asked me last week who'd take Aaron Phillips and Pax I just said Paxi you know she's just the first one that came to mind but it was Melissa Hickey Who's and whenever the camera panned to them I was like that is outrageous. It is outrageous. That Sancho mm. needs to stop. Unfortunately for Hickey, she was turned into a stepladder <laughs> um, when Aaron Phillips took that great mark. And the little smirk on Hickey's face ha- just had this knowing little thing like, I'm going to see this a hundred <laughs> times, aren't I? Well, someone that I was watching the game with kind of remarked, well, it's probably because Hickey's so strong through the core <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. she actually was able to be a stepladder. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. As as I mentioned last week, if it was me, I would have collapsed <laughs> under the weight and Aaron Phillips would never would got that have mark. Got so mark Hickey, you yep. just need to loosen up that core of yours. Yeah, look, it was a good game. However, the Ds and their slow starts, mm. you know, I... I I've made no secret of the fact I'd like them to get through the grand final, but they're not going to win a grand final with a 0-0 first quarter. And, yeah, they've had pretty much every game they've had a pretty slow start. I think they've only kicked one goal at a maximum in the first quarter. So I don't know what's happening there. Well, I think after most games they still keep talking about their focus on four-quarter efforts, but Mm. they haven't, in my mind, they haven't quite, strung that together just yet but Mm. geez look out when they do because when they do play their best footy they're so beautiful to watch but what I loved more than anything actually watching that game on Saturday night was their back line like they were just I know you talked about it last week but they were just incredible Catherine Smith earned herself a rising star nomination yep the thing I love about Catherine Smith Mm -hmm. is that in a world of top knots She's yes. rocking a low pony. She's a low pony. And it's good on you. Yep. Do you not peer pressure? No, nah, it nah. doesn't work on her. She's like, I'm a really good player. Sweaty, humid Darwin. Yep. No, nah, I'm going to have that low pony low on my pony neck. Low pony is how I do it. Um, but she had a fantastic game and I saw a kind of a little highlight reel of her today as the Rising Star nomination came out. And you'd, you'd be forgiven, you know, for thinking that maybe she was Daisy or something. <laughs> like, you know, in just... She was doing one-twos as she came out of the back line. She just looks so confident. Fantastic. And actually, all the all the girls from Melbourne who've got the Rising Stars, um, Grierson and Lily Mithen, they, yeah, they had outstanding games and you can see why mm. Melbourne have picked them and those girls are just, well, they're already, you know, mini little superstars, but they're going to turn gonna, into yep. huge superstars. But I, I thought even um, Lampard of yeah, halfback right, as yep. well, Duray. She just, you know, yeah, she, just, yeah. she played a fantastic game on, on Perco. Yeah, she mm. did. Irish. That, sorry, that wasn't an Irish accent. <laughs> it's just me saying Irish in a funny way. Um, but look, the D's, you know, some weeks I love the D's high possession game and some weeks I don't like it when they lose, <laughs> when they overuse the ball. But um, yeah, it did kind of work for them this week and um Looking at their stats, they had 12 players who got 10 possessions or more, mm. which in AFLW is, is quite high. You know, Carlton only had two. Um, Brisbane had five in a winning in a winning game. So they do get a lot of the ball, but they were just using it a lot better. But that those two goals at the end for the Crows really kind of 
make the game look a lot tighter than it really yeah. was. Yeah. Our, our favourite Chelsea Randall just showed that she <sighs> is the chameleon of footballers. That goal. It's like, where, did, <laughs> where, where do you play, Chelsea? <laughs> because you could do everything. It's yeah. not fair. I know. If, if we were cloning, we'd just make... Another twenty-one of her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and place her all over the ground. But we, um, Julia, we watched it with a few fellow Falcons on Saturday night. Yes, we did. And we had a bit of a get together. But you and I exchanged the look. I think it was may <laughs> have been, may have been the start of the last quarter. It was Hickey v Phillips. Yep. Randall v Pierce. Mm. Marinoff v O'Day. I mean, Jesus Christ. I know. If I was Bruce McAvaney. I would have been saying, oh, it's very special. Is that what he says? Or did he say magic? I don't know. Magic. He says certain things that make you special. think he's enjoying it mm. slightly more yep. than he should be. Um, when, you know, when Judd goes to Gary Ablett or, I don't know, Luke Hodge goes to Lance Franklin. When those superstars line up on one another and you, you, you do feel like Bruce is really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yes, Perhaps we were having that response. Now I finally understand how he feels. <laughs> when I saw all those matchups happen, I'm like, yep. oh my God, it's superstar on superstar. Yes. Whoa. Gun it's show. like Ocean's Eleven. Gun show. Ten um, paces. Yeah. So look, that's the second game we've watched Adelaide play in Darwin. Like we watched them play that par- uh, that practice match mm. and they've, they've lost both. I don't know if they love it. Mm. Um, well, that, you know, could just be a coincidence. But they, look, they... They had a really tight game against Brisbane that they lost and now they've had another tight game. Now they're in the position where they have to win the next week. Pretty much, you know, if they win, they're pretty much they're through. They're mm. through. But, um, yeah, so they're not quite – they don't quite have it on their terms um, right at the – Right at the moment. And I think, you know, earlier in the, the year, I, I said that I liked their style of football. I felt like it was women's football. It was um, a style of footy I felt like our women kind of played locally and, and they were just obviously taking it up a notch. Mm. Um, and and therefore they could gel and make it work really quickly, especially with their two squads in, in NT and um, and Adelaide. But now perhaps because it is somewhat simpler, it is has been worked out. Mm. By the opposition, maybe, maybe not. But look, they still had outstanding contributors. They just didn't, you know, Melbourne just were getting the ball more. Yeah. Yeah. Depriving them of it. But it, like I said, we there was a group of Falcons that watched the game together and it's always interesting watching footy with other footballers. And there was a lot of frustration about kicks off the ground. Yeah. Rather than bending down, picking it up. Mm. And I, we spoke last week about what a skill that is to be able to you yeah. know, gather the ball at pace and, and pick it up. What What do you think about kicking off the ground? And also, I also want to know, anyone wants to let me know, is it a stat if you kick it off the ground? Yeah, my gut feeling is if it goes the required distance, it is. Mm. But I don't know. There, there are lots of these finicky rules I'm not sure of. But um, what do I think of kicking off the ground? Well, look, there was a lot of it in that game. I'm not sure if it was because it was really slippery and mm. sticky. Yeah, that's why they were doing it, and um, getting a gathering the ball off the ground was difficult. And so, if you could toe poke it forward, that's what they were doing. Look, I don't like it mm. as a general rule, but th- I think that's because when I first came to the Falcons, it was the last year Peter Searle was here, and she was against it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really a a, a, r- a set team rule you couldn't kick the ball off the ground and I think even in junior girls football you can't kick mm. the ball off the ground I have um, um if that's not a current rule it has been a rule in the past 
So when I see it in, at AFLW, it really stands out to me like, hey, yeah. you should be better than this. You should pick <laughs> it up. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It it depends. It depends when it happens. When it's two girls that are both running flat chat and one slightly, you know, bumps the person off the ball right at the same time to punt it forward and then they can make it work to their advantage, I kind of can see how it works then. But when it's just kind of the easy option because you don't want to you don't want to put your head over the ball and pick it up or um you you know th- there've been quite a few that you look like they they've almost um, they might have kicked someone's hand off or broken someone's fingers that that I don't mm. no nah, I'm not into it mm. as a general rule I don't like it mm. but then you know Kate Shields hey well, that was amazing <laughs> a kick out of the air okay that yeah <laughs> To score a goal, that's to- that's. <laughs> oh yeah, the little toe poke in the goal square. Okay, yeah. But uh, just while we're talking about disposals and statistics in that, what's my favourite stat? Tackles. And who got thirteen tackles that game? Marinoff. Yep. She is. And Chelsea Randall got twelve. Yeah. Boom. boom. Got yeah. Just fantastic. So m- they put so much pressure on when you do that, and you make yourself so annoying to play on. Yes. Just yeah. ask, just ask Lauren Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're watching it at a pub, you can't really hear the commentary, and that no. annoys me. Even though I do find commentary annoying, so yeah. it's it's my issue. Mm. But um, a couple of things that that I do recall is um, Michelle Cowan was doing special comments, mm-hmm. and one thing sh- that she mentioned was um, a player she mentioned was Kelly Gibson, yeah. and she said that Kelly Gibson is kind of yet to really kind of take a game by the scruff of the neck. Mm. And I kind of tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. Which is a frightening prospect because she is a marquee player and she hasn't really let loose and she can. And yep. Like, she has it in her. Um, I'm just wondering whether maybe that ankle injury was a little worse than the yeah. Crows let on. But um, Because she has shown in these mm. moments what she can do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of in the Chelsea Randall style, like, if – she tackles you, <laughs> you stay tackled. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like that 50-metre that goal on the run in the opening mm. game. Um, so that was interesting. But the other interesting thing was also um, post-match interview with Daisy and I think also with Mick Stenier, Um They talked about – they got asked about the weather. But mm. the Melbourne players had a pact that when they got off the plane, they just weren't – they weren't going to talk about the weather. And I think – in some kind of weird way it may have worked for them. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about how lots of football is above the shoulders and mm. things like that can play on your mind and give yourself little excuses. Yeah. You know, if you spend, you know, the first few hours there just talking about, God, it's hot, God, it's humid, then it sits in your mind and then when you're on on the field and you're getting puffed and you're like, oh, well, you know, it is pretty hot, you know. It, it, people, you know... Everyone's psychology is different. But for some people, that can be the little thing that stops them from pushing themselves or, yep. st- or, or st- stops them from running that extra mile, that extra effort or d- um, putting that forward line pressure on. I think those little things in a, in a game where everyone um, is talented and everyone's fit, it's those little things can, can be the difference. And in a two-point game, well, you know, it's it's a simple thing to put into place in your in your team dynamic in your team culture to and maybe those things do make a difference. Mm. Yeah, agree. Um, but also, as another little side note, um, I referenced the Chelsea Randall tackle on Lauren Pierce. She received a reprimand mm. for that for that tackle. 
Yeah, I so think she's she let go of her. Yeah, before she didn't kind of hold on to her and drive her into the ground. Yeah, I think is it was just it was more the momentum that made mm. her. Kind but of hit it didn't the look didn't look fun. No, but uh, but Loz did play out the game as well. So another defender that played very well for Melbourne was mm-hmm. Mia Ray Clifford and you commented on the night at the pub that she's had a number of games in a row. Yeah, well, she's done um, a really good job and I guess I alluded to in a previous episode how I just feel like defenders don't get their due, often because they are given a task, which is to quiet another, um, to quiet their forward and perhaps not get the limelight themselves and I just feel like she's really done that. Um a lot of times, whenever the camera pans to her, she's got her arm across her player. She makes it really difficult for them. And do you know what I like about her? What? She's Peter Dean. Oh, she is the arm guard. She, the arm guard and just the way she plays. Yeah. She is Peter Dean. That is a compliment coming yes. from a Carlton supporter. Yes. And if you've never heard of Peter Dean, Google look it. him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we rounded out uh, round six. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Collingwood took on GWS Giants Their first home game at Olympic Park Oval mm. Was a stinker of a day Well I think this is a f- Four games of stinkers yeah. They were all hot They were all hot weren't they <laughs> <laughs> And we were You know this was the only Melbourne game And we were at that game And <clears throat> I needed to have brought a parasol Yes It, it was blooming hot And um, uh, Olympic Park doesn't have Any grandstands or anything So we were quite in the in sun In full sun Yep Um but it was, and it was a humid day as well. But look, Collingwood, you just think if they had started the season like this, um, they would have been pretty scary. Yeah. You know, they had 20 scoring shots. They kicked the um, biggest score of the season. Yep. By by one point. By one point. But still, <laughs> the following well, that week. 7 13, you know, they, they could have yeah, converted absolutely. a few more of them. Um, yeah, so. It's it's great that they're this it's it's coming together for them. They've won three on the trot. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be ruining the missed opportunities earlier in the mm. season that might have um, put them closer to a grand final spot. But look, with I it was it was nice seeing um, in the flesh some of the the players that I've been really impressed by. Jess Cameron again. She takes great contestant mark, kicks a goal. Um, Nick Stevens did some great things. Mo Hope was getting more of the ball and she kicked two goals for. She had lots of shots and she did a lovely little run down the wing and set up another one. Um, so she's running into some form. Um, it was kind of the, the speaking of rucks, you know, the two tallest. Are they the tallest? They look mm, like the tallest. Yeah. <laughs> rucks in Emma King and um, McKinnon and it looked kind of like, King got the chocolates. She had um, 17 more hit-outs. And, and at one point, she kind of tackles McKinnon into the ground. And Erin McKinnon looked a bit uh, sore and came off the ground. But, again, our jinxing. So, last week, maybe I, I told a wee little story about um, when I got penalised for an umpire running into me. Oh, yes. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, yeah. so, Jess Delpos <laughs> is uh, on the wing. She sees a... Amy Schmidt running out to, up, you know, right at the middle of the ground to the centre-half forward position to take a mark. And the umpire is running backwards and <laughs> absolutely collects her. And cleaned her up. Cleaned her up. And there was a turnover. It went down the other end. It was, oh, in a, in a game where GWS were kind of, uh, you know, struggling to get good shots on goal. And in that passage, you're like, yep, 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 it's about to happen. And then, boom, umpire 
We need to not talk. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, more. Don't put this on the web. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it actually was great to watch Collingwood's forward line in the flesh and the way that they're functioning. Mm. And Mo's been spoken a lot about, but we have spoken a lot about Sarah Darcy, but mm. I think also Jazz Garner. I mm, love the way yeah, that yeah. they're all working together. Yeah. Um, Jess Cameron. Eva. Yep. Another good game. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, they just – they looked um, – they've really kind of got their game together now at Collingwood. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw uh, – is it Britt Benici yep. got 18 disposals. She got a rising star as well. Mm-hmm. I, uh, when I saw that, again, another one of those shockers that I'm like, whoop! What? <laughs> She's only, <laughs> She's under only 21. Under 21. <laughs> That's not possible. Um, she had five tackles. Yeah, so, look, there's lots to like about Collingwood. Mm. Um, the one thing I don't like – is watching the game at that ground. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I uh, maybe it's – look, this is a little secret mm. to you, um, Alison. I'll I don't know if you know this about me. I promise I won't tell anyone. Okay. So, before last year when the Bulldogs became everyone's second team, including mine, mm-hmm. my second team is actually Collingwood, right? Hang on a second. <laughs> now, I know I'm a Carlton supporter. But Collingwood is my second team. How is that possible? It's well, not meant to be in your genetic makeup. <laughs> well, it well it is actually my genetic makeup. So my dad's a Collingwood supporter. Oh, um, oh, and actually, I feel your pain because my dad backs me. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's a Collingwood supporter, and um, my you know every is a member in every home game at Victoria Park. We went to Saturday afternoon. You'd come home from work, and we'd go. Um, so. I have been to more Collingwood games in the flesh than I have Carlton because of that. What? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're disgusted. You want to keep me off the podcast. I don't. uh, We can't talk anymore. I don't know if we can do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, as a result, maybe I'm saying this because I actually love Victoria Park, even though the seat in which I used to sit no longer exists. (laughs) It's now in midair and there's nothing there. But... Look, the, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's a lovely ground to train on. Is it the MCG dimensions and mm, whatever? Yeah, but it there's is. no seating. There's no shade. It's really hard to watch the ground because there's no fence. Watch the game. There's no fence line. So everything mm. kind of blurs. Ugh, I would – Collingwood, could you sort this out for next year? Find a venue. Build a grandstand at Big Park. Do something. Cause, yeah, well, um, well, you know, they had those two games taken off them at the beginning and um, they've – They've kept these last two because they're against interstate teams. Mm. But I just don't – I don't know. For the future of their AFL women's team, I th- I would like them to find somewhere else to play. Mm. Controversial or not. I don't uh, care. The, yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – yeah, it was full on. Like, it was in the, in the direct sun. I mean, and I didn't, I didn't think it through. <laughs> I was wearing jeans. It's not a smart move. But, um, yeah – I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting one because Victoria Park is there. Mm, they've knocked down some of the grandstands, but at least there's some there's seating. There's some seating still. Mm. Yeah, but going forward, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know if this if this league is going to really keep going from strength to strength. And, you know, next year, if there is a Collingwood-Carlton game and there is a Collingwood-Melbourne game, Collingwood-Bulldogs game, all those games that, you know, would one, uh, one or two or three of those would be Collingwood home games, you know, can't... I just can't see them hosting them there and it being what it could be at another at another ground with a grandstand. Yeah. Anyway, my thoughts. Mm. We did go into the cl- club rooms to um, interview Jess Delpos. We and did. They were very nice, so I can see why they want to train there. Yeah, absolutely. They're but very, yeah, they're 
brand spanking new yep. and very nice. Yeah. So I, I certainly understand that, but from the uh, crowd's perspective, it's not comfy. Mm. Well, which venues currently would they play at? Vic Park. Vic Park. <laughs> so they do up Vic Park and they, they do up Vic Park. They play there. Yeah. Even but though maybe they spent the last twenty years trying to get themselves out of Vic Park. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, as we said, it was a tough day at the office for the Giants, but we, we had a chat to Jess Dalpos. Uh, so we're in the GWS rooms with Jess Dalpos. How are you feeling after that one? Absolutely destroyed tired. It's really hot and it's, well, it's hot in Sydney, so it's not really an excuse for me, but sort of caught me by surprise and we had to do a lot of running, big ground. I think it is the same dimensions as the MCG. Yeah, Some, yeah something real big. So I'm pretty buggered, very disappointed, but oh well. Um, Just the last time we spoke, it was Christmas Eve in your parents' kitchen. A lot's happened since then. Um, how have you felt this season's been going? Um, from an in- internal point of view, it's very different from what you would see on TV and what people put in the media. It's not really in the media. No one cares about us, so that's, that's a good one we for do. us. We get away with lots of things. Um, so it's going well. We've had a few setbacks and a few poor performances, but we're still on the building blocks to putting out a good season. So let's forget about today. Let's, let's go <laughs> let's back to last week and that amazing win in the wet over, over the days. It, must, it, it just looked like it was culmination of like weeks and weeks of, of growth as a group. Yeah, we sort of cracked the sheets, to be honest. We sort of called it in at the review on the Monday and said, enough's enough. Let's really dig in deep here. So horrible day, rained all day. Like it was, I've never seen that much rain in Sydney ever. And it was like somebody read out a sentence from an article where we got absolutely hammered before the game and we didn't like it and we said we're written off again. This Melbourne team's coming off. Like I think Junior Paxi and Days had four billion possessions between them in two weeks. So it got put to the midfield group and then we sort of just played the ugliest game of football I've ever seen and got a win and I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. It was like you, your performance was outstanding. You just managed to get the ball and push it forward and push it forward and push it forward. That's really generous. I just kicked it off the ground a lot. <laughs> That's all I did. So that seemed to work, so I was not going to stop that. <laughs> but footy is often just about the smarts you've got, especially when there's um, the conditions are like that. you know. And, it, yeah, it seemed like your team had learned a lot from the weeks going in and just adjusted really quickly as opposed to the other team who, who didn't. And you got the four buckaroos. Um, I just saw a whole pile of burritos just go in, so can you, if you could get one for us. Um, <laughs> but the, you got one more round uh, next week in Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that, I guess what happens for you? You're up in Sydney now. But Good you, question. Yeah. yeah, we've got Canberra, so I'm literally, this is the most cliche thing of all time, but I'm taking it one week at a time. I can't, I won't think further than that because I've got nothing planned for my life. So <laughs> once we hit up Canberra, we will reassess and then the club does what it does with their list assessments and all that stuff. So I can't predict the future. I couldn't tell what's going to happen, but I'll be in Sydney enjoying the weather until it's time to come back to feral Melbourne winter and the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> The official leadership role that you've had this year, have you, have, you, have you found it? Have you found that you've grown into it as the season's progressed? Absolutely. Um, it was something that I really sort of strived for because I thought I had something to give to the group. 
Um, so I'm really happy and I'm really proud of, of the responsibility that I have there. But every week we learn lots and lots and lots of lessons. This week will be the most learning we'll do, I think. But it gets better every week. And I learn lots of things about myself and the people around me. And it's... I really like being the sort of environment where if I can't do it anymore, there's no Daisy or, or someone else to pick up that slack. So I'm held accountable to what I do. And it's been really challenging, but I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for your time, Jess. And we'll hopefully see you back in town soon. Yeah, I'll be back. We'll go for coffee because I'm sick of Sydney coffee. <laughs> it's disgusting. Done. Lock it in. It's all milk. So that brings us to the final round. Yep. Starts on Saturday afternoon out at Casey Fields, Melbourne. Take on Frio. Mm. It's a must-win game for the D's. Yeah. Frio coming coming into a bit of form. We don't tip, so <laughs> let's just move on to the next game. Yeah, but we <laughs> look. I'll, I'll mention the weather in that um, it's been pretty hot in Melbourne, and we've, um, it's from the forecast suggests it's going to still be and there's three games in Melbourne so I think the heat's going to play a part again in in this weekend Mm -hmm. um yeah but look Melbourne Freo oh it's um Casey Fields is a bit of a weird old ground out there you know Melbourne have had that first round loss to Brisbane and then they almost lost to Carlton there and now they're back against Fremantle that I think I think that's actually going to be a really entertaining game yeah um and yeah, Melbourne have to have to win. Have to win, and and Frio um, are hitting form, so it's going to be great. Mm. Um, Saturday night, Monica Oval in Canberra, GWS Giants take on the Bulldogs. And it who would have thought that this is the battle of the wooden spoon? Yeah, I know. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Look, pride on the line. Yeah. Yeah. For for both teams there. Yeah. I mean, I hate to use the term dead rubber but um but yeah it kind of kind of is it Sam Lone wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about how maybe they should have had a floating fixture for the last round mm. so they could have made you know the the, the key game the Saturday night free to wear game yeah. but you know then again this is national comp it's good that GWS are going to be on TV mm. on free to wear TV yeah um Bulldogs fans will be happy um on Sunday Olympic Park Oval Collingwood take on Adelaide. Yeah. This is an intriguing game. Yep. Well, look, it could all be, you know, if, if Melbourne have lost on the Saturday. Oh, that doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter. Mm. But if Melbourne win, then this game becomes, you know, um, yeah, a live wire, really. Yeah. Uh, but that, look, Collingwood have won straight on the trot. They just had 20 scoring shots. They've just, you know, dominated their home ground. They've got another game at their home ground. Adelaide are coming off two losses. Oh. But there is talk that there's a mathematical chance that Collingwood can still make it. Well, there's a mathematical chance, yeah, of course. But that's 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 what Richmond supporters <laughs> talk about. <laughs> I think it's I think it's if if Melbourne lose. And Collingwood beat Adelaide by a squillion points, by quite a margin. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. they scrape in on percentage. Yeah, interesting. And <laughs> round seven finishes on Sunday, kind of twilight, I guess it is, mm. at Icon Park, Carlton v Brisbane. Yep. What I want to know 
is do they play Sabs? Sabs, who's clearly hampered by mm. her. Yep. Corky. Yep. Or you, do you not flirt with form? It's an interesting question. It's, you know, North Melbourne have done this a few years where they've rested lots of players in mm. the last round. Mm. And Frio did it too. Yeah. And then they put in a bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't recall it ever working for those two teams. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Mm. Look, it's different if someone's significantly hurt, which it seems like um, Sabrina Frederick-Traub is and a, a corky is something that you feel like, you know, a week's rest is going to certainly support her. Mm. It's different if it's, I don't know, we're just going to put someone on ice because we don't want to get them to get, get hurt. It, get hurt, yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, so beyond her, I can't, I, I, I don't know who else they might rest, mm. but... Um, you know, most of their players have played the six games, so they'd be, you know, it's been much more intense and much faster and much harder than anything they've ever known. So I'm sure that there are lots of sore, tired bodies um, out there. But, yes, the form factor, it, having the week off, you know, it does play with you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and if they rest a few um, important people and then they lose, perhaps, and then you take that with you into the next week... Yeah, I think I don't know. That's that's a lot of kind of experimenting. Yeah, but you know, we'll see what Craig Starsevich decides. Mm. And what about for Carlton? What do you, what can they get out of the game? Well, look, as I've mentioned before, we we don't really know what's what's going to happen going forward in terms of the lists and who gets delisted and so on. So you know, there are lots of players there that I, this is their last opportunity to to show why. Um, they should be retained. Um, they would have been pretty disappointed by what happened at Frio. I think it, you know, it was a winnable game, and and they never were really in the contest. So they've got a bit to make up for there. Um, and I think they would, you know, it's their last game on on Princess Park. Uh, they've not lost on Princess Park, so mm. I doubt they'd be, you know, wanting to to hand over the the chocolates just just because it's a you know, they can't make it into the, the grand final now. Lots of competitive girls in that, that team. So, I, d- I doubt that they would just be happy to lose. No. No, not ever. at all. Ever, no. ever, ever, ever. I have come up with just a little kind of – it's not really a formal quiz, but really, Alison, I'm just testing your love of the game through oh. stats. Oh, oh okay. I don't – I don't do stats. You don't do stats. Not, okay. Well, not intently. Look, like I, I, I just dorkily, I thought to myself, well, we're we're going into the last round, and I was having a think about, well, who might you know be getting votes for best and fairest, and um, you know, who's gonna get the goal kicker and so on. So I was having a look at kind of who's leading on particular. Um, in particular statistics okay. at this stage of the year, right. and so I thought I just. I just ask you some questions. Okay. Okay. All right. right. (coughs) So, (coughs) the leading disposal getter after six rounds is on 136 with an average of 22.7 a game. Who is that person? Emma Carney. (coughs) She's at 132 on Carney. She's in – sorry. She's on 132. She's in second spot. Karen Paxman. Yes, Karen Paxman. And who is at 131? Daisy. 
Yes. Well done. And they are quite in the clear. The next person down uh, is on 110, so 21 behind, with which is Aaron Phillips and Juni. Mm. Who leads the tackle count by with 59 on with an average of 9.8? 9.8 a game. Oh, that's Marinoff. That is Marinoff. And who's mm. next with 41? Same team? No. Nah. Guest of guest of the podcast. How recently? This week. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Delpos. Jess Delpos with 41. 6.8. <laughs> And then on 40 is Cara Donnellan. Mm. Okay. Contested possessions. One of my favourites. Who's leading that on 74? Daisy. No. She's second with 68. Carney. No, she's third on 65. Who's 74? No. Oh, Phillips. Yeah. Boom, boom. All right. Who's leading the goal kicker? Goal kicking tally. Um, Darcy with 14. Yeah. And who's next? Uh, McCarthy on eight. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Who? Now, this is where I get slightly mean. Who has received the most free kicks oh. on 18? What position? Joel Selwood. Oh, Aaron Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this one surprised me. I, I wouldn't. Who's next on 11? I wouldn't have picked this. Mm. Asher O'Connor? No. <laughs> no, no. One of our favourites, left footer, Collingwood. Sarah Darcy. Yeah, I've not noticed that. And then Tiana Ernst, Lily Mithin, Zilke, Kramey, Lamb all have 10. Who's given away the most free kicks on 16? Uh, Probably because of the last game, put her over the edge. She gave away like five in the first quarter. Player's gonna play, 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 and the head is gonna hey, 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 hey. Tay Tay, Taylor Harris. Um, <laughs> Maddie Carrick, unfortunately, is on 12, and then Ebony Marinoff's on 11. So I reckon if you're doing the most tackles, you might be in the same position where you're giving away, giving away free t- Now, <coughs> the last thing is. Yeah. So they, they collate the stats for um, how much time spent on the ground. So yes. your percent, percentage yeah. of time mm-hmm. on the ground. Mm-hmm. And only two players have spent over 99% of time on the ground. Who are they? One of them is Emma Carney. Nope. Oh. She's very high, but she's not 99. They must have, I heard that in the commentary and they must have taken her off or something. Damn it. So two players are on 99. Over 99, 99.2 and 99.1. Usually the pro defenders end up. No. Ah, not a defender. No. Forward. Yes. Club. They're both multicultural ambassadors. Sabs and Darcy. Yeah. That really shocked me when I saw that. But then I guess they're always up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, you know, Sabrina just wasn't – Obliging when they were trying to get her off, off yeah. the ground on um, on Saturday. Anyway, that was my Dorcas Malorcas for this afternoon. But I found it kind of funny oh, to you. see how. <laughs> do, are you all right? You've got sweaty no, parts. No, I'm okay. How yeah. did, did I do okay? No, you. Yes, you were spot on for most of them. Oh, good. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting to see how people contribute in different ways over the season and um, how there can be, you know, those those disposers one that Paxi Carney and Daisy are so close together. You know, 
Yeah. Um, and then there's a huge drop to the next one. Yeah. And stuff. Anyway, so these things amuse me. Who was you, – you had overall disposals, but who's leading kicks and who's leading handballs? What's your guess for kicks? For kicks, I would say Paxi. That would be a correct guess on 91. 91. Who's next? It's either Carney or Blackburn or Daisy. (laughs) (laughs) Or four other players. Um, Ellie Blackburn's third on 79, but you haven't named the person who's second on 81. Junior. No. For a basketballer, she can kick it all oh, right. Oh, Aaron Phillips. Keep forgetting about Aaron Phillips. <laughs> Not bad for a rookie. Um, and the handballs. Who's a winner there? Carney. Well, you thought Carney with those 22 on the weekend, no, but no, she, no, but she, she doesn't. Know. No, she usually kicks more. Daisy. Yeah. yeah, Daisy. Daisy 63, Carney 60. And then quite far behind on 50 is Bree Davey. Bree Davey. Yeah. Mm. She does a one-two often. Yeah. Yep. Racks them up. Mm. Yep. Anyway... So I, you know, I don't expect those to change hugely in the no. last round, but it's yeah, it's look, it's it's interesting to see how this all plays out. So, and and there were things with Brisbane that you kind of expect that they're going to be number one and two in lots of things, and they and they're just not. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're just even. I keep I, I know yeah. I keep banging on about it, but they're just they have a lot of contributors. Mm. There were lots of things where they're not. Um, you know, they're quite low down. They're second last for disposals. Really? Yeah. They're just efficient. Yeah, they're just efficient. Um, so they're second last for disposals, but they're second highest for marks. Mm. Yeah, that, there you go. Boom, boom. Yep. Down the ground to their tall targets. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so they're just kind of rewriting the book yeah. of how we how you get wins. It's Moneyball. Mm-hmm. So we did a little uh, shout out on Twitter if there was any hot topics that uh, our listeners wanted us to discuss. At Kirby Kirby B, she asked us, standalone grand final, very yes or very, very yes? <laughs> I think she listens to the podcast yes. and knows what we might be answering. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of well, course. Very, very yes from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, We stand in the shadow of no one. Thank mm-hmm. you. And there was a follow-up question from Josh C. Penn. Should the AFL have kept the Saturday night free to give the AFLW Grand Final the standalone prestige it really deserves? Well, look, with the benefit of hindsight, yes, of course. Yep. But there are lots of things that I think would have been changed or tinkered with had everyone known how successful it was going to be and how much um, AFLW was going to capture the enthusiasm and imagination of kind of a new football-going public. Yeah. So having said that, yes, of course they should have kept that Saturday night free, that prime media <laughs> time <laughs> slot. But with if we, you know, if other people had been in the room when those decisions had been made with the information they had at hand, who knows? Mm. Yeah. So look, yes, it would have been nice. Yeah. I guess there were so many unknowns before mm. this all started. Yep. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's the same people that decided that the opening game was going to be at Olympic Park. Mm. None of them really expected it to be as huge as it yeah. was. Yeah. And and I think the AFL have shown that they can kind of, ad- you know, adjust when yeah. they can yeah, to exactly. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, there are other things that 
haven't been ideal in terms of some of the timing of the game. You know, we mentioned earlier about that Freo game being at three and so on that for whatever reason have been set in stone and they haven't been able to alter them. Mm. So, it, yeah. It's kind of funny how the the fixture kind of – the women's fixture kind of went a bit skew if when yeah. the JLT um, mm. series JL started. terrible, as Tegan <laughs> Higginbotham calls yes. it. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yes, you're right. Yeah, it did. It did go skew off, and there were more of those double headers. Double headers. Where yeah. You had to pay because suddenly there was a a, a male game worth money. Yes, um, a male game which means nothing that you have to pay for <laughs> versus a women's game for premiership, for premiership points. It's free. It's free normally. Interesting. Mm. But, but that yeah. was an interesting article. By that was Tegan. a great article. Mm. I know. Um, appreciate all the points she raised and think she's on the money. Mm-hmm. Literally, and hope that they will be charging money <laughs> next year. Yeah. For um, women's games. But then again, you know, that goes to what we are talking about before about Olympic Park Oval. How do you charge admission at that ground? That's so right. That's why it's sort of changed. They have to play at a sta- in a stadium, mm. Gates. But that's the only ground. Well, I'm not sh- certain about that one at Blacktown. But that, I think, is the only ground where it's just open. You just walk up mm. to it mm. and stand on your grassy knoll. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I actually wonder what the wine Brisbane's like as well. Mm. Anyway, like the rest of them, yeah, you can. There's a gate that you can shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, look, there's, there's lots of things I think will be adjusted for next year, and yeah, and I look forward to seeing how it all pans out. I think yeah, but I think the AFL and the people behind AFLW have proven through the things that they have um, changed that they are responsive to what's happening. Mm. Yeah. And I think we'll. Next next season we'll we'll see a final series. Mm. Which I think they've already said. Yeah, they've indicated that they're they're learning a lot from season one, and mm. they'll take it into season two. Yeah. Having said that, like as good as a final series will be, there has been something very exciting about this kind of sudden death top two playoff thing. Yeah, because it's meant absolutely every game has had this electricity to it. Yeah, um, because of how. Um, cutthroat it is yeah <laughs> um so yeah even though yeah i want to see more games and more finals i've liked it about this year yeah so on the 28th of march just after the grand final the ceremony which is currently being referred to as the w awards will occur the awards the awards the awards yeah I feel if Darcy was here, she would have done that a lot She better. would have done that. What was? <laughs> <laughs> Wowie. <laughs> which, is, uh, which will be a black tie function. And I f- think there'll be a lot of girls wearing black ties. Yes. The following awards will be presented. I'm reading the press release. Yep. AFL Women's Best and Fairest. NAB AFL Women's Rising Star. Mm. AFL Women's Leading Goal Kicker Award. Dust V. Mm. Woolworth's Mark of the Year. Woolworth, Woolworth. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of W. Woolworth, Woolworth. Uh, Coats Hire Goal of the Year and Virgin Australia AFL Women's All-Australian Team. God, that's exciting. We'll, we'll, perhaps we'll talk in upcoming, an upcoming episode about our predictions. Even though predictions? we don't tip. And we're going to get them all no. wrong. <laughs> Except leading goal kicker. Yes. <laughs> we'll get we wrong. know. Get that leading right. goal kicker, Darcy, unless... <laughs> Something you really dramatic uh, happens. Goalless and Kate McCarthy kicks seven goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Perko kicks eight. Um, which could happen. Which could happen. Yes. That's exciting. Is it going to be televised? 
I don't believe it's being televised at this stage. Well, how am I going to go though? Maybe they'll <laughs> stream it. Okay, good. Um, I hope there is no rotisserie. The, I don't think there'll be a rotisserie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there'll be one. Good, no rotisserie. And yeah, it's going to be a funny old night. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, will, will all uh, players get an invite or will it just be like the top, you know, tens, the people that they think will be the top ten vote getters or whatever? Now, don't quote me, but I believe, like the Brownlow, it'll be a select group mm. from each team. Is Gil McLaughlin going to read out the um, the old D Yes. Is, is that going to happen? I think so. Wow. Which name is he going to embellish? <laughs> Western Bulldogs E Blackburn or Western Bulldogs E, e Carney. Carney. So there's mm. a bit of that. Oh, let's. What other names are similar? Oh, well, there's E Phillips, but the, <laughs> she plays for another team. Yeah, yeah. That might be a thing that we think about for next week, or if anyone wants to send in players that will be easily. Um, I don't know. It, it can be used for dramatic effect during the Brownlow, uh, yes. w- whatever we're calling it, best and fairest. So they need to have first names starting with the same letter and the same team, and uh, on yes, on the same team. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Look, it's. I'm so looking forward to it. I wish it was just being televised, and I could watch it like I watched the Brownlow with a with a bowl of popcorn and mm. miss the red carpet because I hate that. Yeah, I'm not a big. Fan of the red carpet either. I I, I just love the count. Like I'm yeah. a total nerd. Yeah, I love I'm the like, count, oh, but it's going to be really can... fast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they. So, because Sam is Lane, that why they're doing all the other awards to to pat it well, out? Well, I think so. But Sam Lane did a article about it. Apparently, there's going to be like a cocktail function. Then you go into the in your seated and have your meal, and then they do the awards, and that's mm. the the awards are going to be quite brief. Brief. Well, are they going to do a count? Yes. Okay. With good. Gil reading out the names. Okay. Mm. Oh. Yeah. No, but it's exciting. It's just this whole new world of AFLW and AFLW awards. And um, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe how excited I am to watch an award show. <laughs> like this is but pretty much how excited I was when Carol was nominated for all those Oscars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then didn't win any. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Uh, on episode nine. Holy moly. I know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but yet, once again, thank you for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. We love it. Uh, keep them coming in. And please follow us on social media at This A for Life. And we'll see you next time. Yep, see you. Bye.